5 p.m. emails from your boss, surprise visits from in-laws, missing soccer cleats. Lucky California knows it's easy to get thrown off schedule. Let us help you out with home delivery powered by Instacart. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour, including fresh produce and fresh baked bakery items. Right now, you can save $10 when you spend $50 using promo code LUCKYCA10. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I be you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And from shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails. I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I gonna have to get? It's a good show. We like boarding jets. We like morning sex. But nothing in this world compares to Mormon and the meth head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Coming to you almost live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm sitting here today with Jessa Reed. Jessa, how are you? Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. You're well. It's it's lovely to have you in this Homewood Suite. Uh, it's sweet uh, Homewood Suites. It's um, cold in Minneapolis. Newsflash: I don't know if any of you knew this, but they have uh, white stuff that falls out of the sky. In the middle of the country. I have not been uh, that impressed with the cold, to be honest. I thought it was going to be way colder. It's been all right. The one day it did snow a lot, we basically just stayed inside. And I've been mostly surprised with the warmth of the people in Minneapolis. Y'all are going to have to work so hard to ever come close to uh, the fans in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They were so Fucking unreal. Nice. They're so nice that mid. I would love to say it's the Midwest stuff, but we even had one fan from Hawaii come to the show. Sam, Sam, we didn't get your last name, but Sam flew in from Hawaii on Friday for a show, and she brought us lays, lays from Hawaii, like real flower lays from actual Hawaii that we I wore for the rest of the night. I feel in fact I'm going to I'm going to put mine on right now. I feel like it's going to be good energy for the show. Uh what else did you like, Jess? Uh we were taken by uh Superfan Scott to a uh what is it called? Just a float shop kind of thing? Yeah, no one has ever called it a float shop. What is this? <laughs> you think you think it like a 1950s? I'm going to take my gal to the to the malt shop and buy us a couple of floats for a nickel. <laughs> A I think spa. I think they called it was called Sanctuary Float Spa. It's a sensory deprivation. So much better. Than that. Float shop. <laughs> hey, Mickey, I'll see you down at the float shop. Uh, <laughs> we went to a float spa 
a sensory deprivation float tank. Y'all ever heard of it? It was cool. Scott took us. Scott, I guess, did you did you catch how often he goes? I think he said once a week, but that might have been the guy that works there. That guy who works there definitely went once a week, but I don't remember how often Scott goes. But you're in a tank full of salt water. Think uh, Eleven from Stranger Things. Uh, you're floating in the water. It's dark. Well, as dark as you want it to be. But it can be complete darkness if you want to. And you just float for an hour. You are kind of disconnected from your body. Your body's just sitting there floating and you don't, you like, you can put earplugs in if you want to and you like hear nothing, see nothing, feel very little. It is very cool. Some people have like meditative experiences. Some people have spiritual experiences. Some people drown. Some people (laughs) uh, uh, have panic attacks. That's not true. I'm making this part up. But uh, like, I don't know, Jessa, what was your experience like? I think the difference in our experiences is interesting. Uh, One thing that uh, does not matter at all, but I'm going to mention it anyway, is so it has like pounds and pounds of Epsom salt in it, which is what makes you like float, right? Right. Did you get the thing? Did you feel your belly like after your belly had been coated in a little bit of the water? It Like my belly crystallized. Like while you were still in there? Yeah, because like the the top of... uh, was like above water so like some water had gotten on it and then dried and so then i when i felt down i was like completely crystallized but that does not matter um here's been my thought with meditation recently and uh and the sensory deprivation tank is i i think i am in that state all the time i think that i started doing mindfulness stuff I I don't know the names of any of this shit, but I never did meditation because I felt like I was already in that state. And then recently it kept popping up. And so I was like, maybe I don't actually know what I'm talking about. And so I started uh, trying some stuff and the stuff where you tune into your body and like tune in to uh, the feeling of your breath and this kind of stuff that has been very, um, has been an exercise for me because I feel like I am tuned out of my body unless I'm in pain or something's wrong, you know, and, uh, taking away all of my senses really, I was like, this is, I feel like this is the state I'm always in. I feel like, huh? I saw some stuff, but I feel like I'm always seeing stuff. Mm. What do you call, um, a humble brag that isn't humble? (laughs) Just a brag? Just a brag. Okay. I don't feel like that's, uh, I don't think you want to be in um, a constant state of like deep meditation. That's how you walk to the end of airports for no reason. Like that's how you just wander out into traffic. Yes, she does. I am very bad at being in my body. And so earlier today, she was just like, uh, I walked onto a sidewalk and she was, uh, uh, she was just like, oh no, that looks wet. And then just (laughs) walked into traffic instead. And I had to grab her and I was like, honey, uh, yes, there are puddles on the sidewalk. There are cars in the street. I don't know if you've weighed these, uh, options entirely. Well, uh, I, because I am not a, uh, a proficient Zen master <laughs> like Jessa. <laughs> I had a great time at, at Sanctuary Float Spa. I loved it so much. 
I was a little nervous going in. I was afraid I would be claustrophobic or anxious. And like, what do I do if I can't get out of the tank? You know, it was a big thought that I had. Yeah. But the tank was pretty big and you have your own room. Like you have a, a, it's not a a huge space outside of the tank, but you have a shower and a place to change. And so uh, you can get out whenever you want, which I did about halfway through. I got a little bit of salt in my eye and like my earplug fell out. So I just uh, got out showered off like rinsed out my eye got new earplugs got back in and it was like more than anything it was just like a nice break for me to just uh it's good for me to know that i have like uh, an exit route at any point like it just it relaxes me yeah but um the second i got in there i was happy happy like i was just kind of giddy I smoked a tiny bit of weed before and just I didn't want to be high uh, when I got there. But then I was feeling nervous and I was like, oh, I don't want to be too nervous. So I just smoked the the teeniest, tiniest bit. And uh, uh, but like still, I was just kind of like chill. You know, I was just in normal. I was actually kind of uh, anxious on the drive there. The second I got into the pool. I was happy like a child and you are like in a womb state. It's like being in a cosmic womb. You just sit up and you're just staring at blackness. I felt like I could see some people see things. I didn't see much. I felt like sometimes I could see what looked like a starry sky. Just I'm looking at like, you know, a black ceiling, but I could feel like I could see spots, little spots that look like stars. Sometimes I felt um, I could see a light source from behind my head. And I would I would turn my body in the tank because it's kind of big enough. You can move yeah. you can move around in it, uh, and the light source would just stay behind my head wherever I was. And you're in pitch darkness. There yeah, is no light coming too, in yeah. whatsoever. But my light would change. Sometimes it would be gone, and sometimes it would come back. Sometimes it looked like a very faint aurora borealis type thing. You know, just these lights kind of dancing across my vision, and it felt so so cool. I felt very safe and secure the whole time. And I was just happy. This place had lights that you could turn on, like colorful lights, which I never did. Did you? I did a little bit. I ju- it just lit up the inside of the the tank. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, and it didn't have the color blue that I really resonate with. <laughs> so I turned that back off. I turned the music on halfway through and had a way better time. It yeah. wasn't a bad time. I was just. They had music as well, like a little knob that you could you could like turn the lights on and off. Music. And then, yeah, just like some trance meditation music. I had mine on most of the time. Most of the time it was very quiet, just like a little whisper, tiny music. And it was cool. I felt like I was I was watching myself in a movie, you know. And then I went to turn it off, but before I turned it off, because I just wanted to see what it's like in total silence, but before I turned it off, I turned it all the way up because I had a control, and I was like, I wonder what it's like louder, and it was fucking rad. I wish I, I turned it all that. the way up, and the, the speakers are in the water, and so it vibrates your body. As the, the louder it gets, you can feel, like when it goes, Whoa, it vibrates your whole body, and that was awesome. Then uh, it got to a point where like, I only did that a little bit and it was too much, too much sensory. I turned it all the way off and I ended the session in just nothingness and uh, it was very cool. I felt like my thoughts felt different than normal thoughts because they were more in my head. Scott, our friend that took us, said that he feels like he is up and behind his body. 
and I almost, I felt like I was in my head. Like I was very aware that my thoughts were in my brain. I feel like in regular day-to-day life, I think of myself as my whole body. I think of myself in my feet. Like that is also me. My feet are also me. Um, I, I think about what my legs feel like and, and stuff and like it's all me, right? And in the tank, I felt so far away from the rest of my body. Like, and I didn't, my, I could only really exist in my brain. That was like the part of the body that I could really touch with my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. So all my thoughts were here and I, I was like, oh, I live here. I am just up here. Uh, and it was, it was weird. It was really, really cool. And when I got out, it was hard to come back into the real world. It was too many senses. I wish that there was less sensory information in the world. I wanted to get back in the tank. I was like, oh, I don't like this. Please no one talk to me. I didn't talk to Scott the whole way home. I was like, I can't. I don't want anyone to talk to me for a while. That's so interesting. I experimented a little bit. I wanted to have no sensory input whatsoever to get that experience. So I got completely still, no music, no lights, and let it go completely still and definitely was disconnected from my body. But this is a similar experience to we finally uh, finally tried DMT. What? What? I didn't know we were talking about it. We did. We did try MD- DMT. What's up? And welcome to the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Hello. We are. This is another st- uh, step in our plan to get on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, For real, just has a 12-step plan. I read a wiki how. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the colors are insane the moving of things are insane and you're definitely outside of your body but what i have figured out while outside of my body is yeah this is just what it feels like this is what i why does that sound like bragging (laughs) to me it seems like it's it's um a deficit i don't know i feel like i live on earth it would help Mm -hmm. to spend more time on earth Uh uh-huh so, uh, like in astrology, the day of my birth is like you have a really hard time staying in your body. You have to remember to take showers and go to the doctor. Which she did right before this podcast. Did, yeah. It was uh, good for you. Shaved my legs for the first time. Anyway, Fuck so doctors, I... doctors, though. Not doing that shit. Yeah, let's just not get crazy. Um, anyway, DMT, similar DMT, to Sanctuary similar, Flirt? Uh, or- I don't know why I'm plugging the name of the place. If you're in Minneapolis, go to Sanctuary Float. You're much better than float I am. Like, shop. Float shop. Float shop. I think there's one in Portland called Float uh, Shop. And I think get I a root beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely was outside of my body and that part did not feel foreign to me. That is cool. So uh, that's something to think about. Because now I feel like I need to focus my meditation practice on anchoring into my body. If that makes sense. <laughs> Doing reverse meditation. Um, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about our partnership is that you're so feet on the ground. 
but can still tolerate me uh, head in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to have, you know, someone that knows where we parked the car. Yes. And <laughs> someone mm-hmm. that can figure out how to get anywhere. Uh, it's like a superpower. Yeah, I could just, I, I just point to things. I'm like, Shake Shack <laughs> is actually that way. And she goes, what? <laughs> Over there? Then she's like, what, what kind of food do you think that place has? And I'm like, well, uh, I have a, a phone that looks awful like, like the one in your hand. Uh, and that you just keep eyelash. reading your horoscope, though. <laughs> yeah. And that place over there is an eyelash store. <laughs> Glad we looked it up before we ordered anything to eat there. Someone to grab uh, me by the hood of my coat as I start to exit the elevator on the wrong floor. It's magical. Uh, there was someone else in Minneapolis who came to the show uh, in a T-shirt of their own design that had quotes from Jessa Reed on the front and back of the shirt. I think it was Jenny. But how did that make you feel? Uh, uh, I liked it, but then it was also like um, felt, I think, what it feels like to get compliments, you know? Yeah. Um you're like uh it's th- she picked quotes that resonated with her like things that stood out to, that you said on the podcast uh and that it like touched her and she was like this means a lot to me so much so I'm going to put it on a fucking t-shirt and wear it around and you were like I said that what <laughs> I knew I said that it's innately schizophrenic oh no yeah. I guess I knew I said both but oh those Your like- quote by the way the quotes that a fan picked to put on a t-shirt for you were like it's innately schizophrenic to uh, it, disconnect from the mass delusion the, yeah the collective del- delusion and then and, something about not believing in magic yeah we've is- been taught not to believe in magic very profound statements someone once picked a quote for me to put on a t-shirt <laughs> and it was and it was like, if you if you can't handle me at Yas Queen, you don't uh, deserve me when I get uh, shot in the face. For... <laughs> so I'm jealous of you. I think uh, I don't know why my sound bites are so uh, awful. I I had a I had a oh god don't listen to me reaction. Yeah, that's what you, that's what you're like you're like uh, uh, oh no no yeah. don't. <laughs> don't no no no. <laughs> Please, not me. I think that's something uh, that scares both Jessa and I. Uh, we could switch this into something serious. Uh, is uh, we we're stand-up comedians. We're stand-up comedians. We wanted to do a funny podcast about stuff that we cared about. We wanted to be different. Uh, we just we worked really hard at speaking openly and honestly. That's all. And we didn't. Tr- we tried not to think about. Uh, who was listening, what they were thinking of us. Let's just be intimate and vulnerable and honest. And it's kind of just like become its own thing. We've kind of, the podcast has evolved. We talk about a lot more than just Mormonism and meth. We do talk about a lot of self-help stuff, yeah. uh, like therapy kind of stuff, uh, relationship stuff, and that's what people have taken to. People have loved it, and it's been really, really cool. Surprising to us that we've impacted people in those areas, but a little scary because 
we never wanted the pressure of being anyone's guru, therapist. Yeah, it's interesting because we're just talking about things we are into. And so uh, some things I, you know, have a a deep understanding of because I learned about them six months ago. Other things I'm still... Have a deep understanding of. She learned six minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, But to me, it just feels like I'm talking about stuff I'm into, you know, and you don't realize when you're putting out a podcast that uh, it can seem like teaching or something. Yes. And so it has been when I read the shirt, because I love that state. I love that thought process that uh, and there I like I do think things like there is a process of uh, schizophrenia that happens when you go from believing what everyone tells you to believe and trusting your gut, right? But but saying that on a podcast feels like... But I'm not saying if you have schizophrenia, stop taking your pills. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel... You worry about all Like, the, I feel like I want to put a disclaimer every possible, on everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's a really cool quote. It's a really good quote. I thought that she picked a, an amazing yeah. one. And it does... It is a pretty cool one for a t-shirt, to be honest. I think that it's just a hard to uh to be appreciated by people like you we want so bad to be appreciated and then someone's like i loved what you said so much i'm putting it on a t-shirt and we're like oh now now uh i feel weird yeah i feel like if if you put a joke a funny joke i'd be like yes funny joke thank you you know whatever but like uh the mental health that's what you think and then they put your yas queen joke on a shirt i said a funny joke Ah! Um, uh, you put something spiritual or mental health and then I'm like, well, uh, I don't, you know, um, because we're not, I don't, we're not licensed individuals. We're not supposed to be giving, uh, uh, advice it seems. And I, uh, so it just, uh, it feels for, like people have brought up, this is what I, this is who I don't want to be. Okay. People have brought up multiple times for us uh, to talk about uh, this woman named Aqua Goose. Uh, <laughs> is that is that correct? Is that what we're going to call her? Yeah. Yeah. You said uh, float shop. Uh, <laughs> Ow. Uh, what's her real name? Teal Swan. Teal Swan. Yes. Uh, we did look into her after the first couple times people said something. And uh, she started out cool. And we're like, oh, yeah, I could totally see why people I, would think of her when they listen to our podcast and like recommend her to us. Then we dug, uh, I don't know, slightly deeper. And we're immediately like, I got creeped out uh, because she's like uh, this guru that's uh, that's uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of hard to describe why I I think part of the reason uh I feel I feel bad hating on her because I see obvious similarities between her YouTube channel and our podcast. And so it just feels like self-hatred in some ways. But uh, I don't know. I'm weirded out by her and people like that. I feel like because we have like a Facebook group, right? And the Facebook group is pretty busy. And when I'm reading something in a book that I'm currently working on. I share it in the Facebook group and I feel like I'm sharing it with my peers. Like people, we are on this journey together and we're just exchanging information and we're all just a group of friends that are into the same thing. Like that's why we're so active on our social medias because like this is just like a bunch of friends uh, hanging out. 
And everything I did learn from the aliens and everything I believe to be true is that the journey that we are on is the journey away from the guru. It's the uh, away from the uh, you need a broker to get to your higher self. So I do believe that there are people with information that can pass on the information. Uh, I do think I do have some information to pass on, but I'm very resistant to... But you're passing it on. This is a big to thing. To people who are the exact same thing as me. Yeah, you're on the same level. When someone puts themselves up higher than you, I, and I think that uh, I would say that it has a lot to do with my uh, distrust of religion, but I feel like I felt this way before. While I was still trusting religion, I still wary of other people. I don't like anytime someone puts themselves above you and is like, I have all the answers. And, uh, you know, uh, you can give them to me if you worship me. It's it's weird. I don't like it. Uh, and like the when I watched Teal's uh, YouTube videos, they were fine. There was cool stuff in there, actually. Yeah, we like, learned we, a couple of things. We liked a lot of stuff. And uh, she didn't seem fake to to us when we first watched it. Uh, there she seemed like someone who was willing to embrace uh uh, like darker things, you know, um, I don't want to sound like she's like making uh, like pentagrams in blood or anything. It's just that some people in this, in this genre are, are all just like, uh, so positive and positive thinking and, uh, you know, remove toxicity. And she was talking about like getting in touch with trauma and, uh, and stuff that was like, okay, she seems like, it's my my kind of speed, right? But then we listened to this podcast that was about her and like and accusations that she had led some of her um, followers, I guess you call it, people yeah. that were under her tutelage, that she had led them to suicide, and that's what this like expose podcast was about. And so we listened to that and learned about like that she was charging people like $600 to come to a conference where she sat on a throne and then gave way them, above them. Yeah, yeah. Way above. And like in, in his flowing gown and like told people like you, like without ever meeting them, she was like, this is what you have to do to change your life. And I'm like, you don't fucking know shit. What are you a prophetess? Now you're going to sit there and, uh, and you're, you're going to be able to tell people like that you, I don't like anyone, Maybe I hem and haw on anything that I say. I'm like, hey, this is just what works for me. Right. You know, here's a disclaimer, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it'll work for you. This just worked for me. And then anytime I hear someone who's just like, like, as a matter of fact, being like, this is what's wrong with you and what you have to fix, I don't like it at all. No. And especially if they charge you $675 to, to tell you stuff like that. I immediately think, scam, scam, scam. You are a scam. I have been uh, to uh, around Mormons enough to know this, uh, to see a multi-level marketing scheme when I see one. I think she has a genuine power. Uh, she has genuine gifts, right? I think we are all waking up to our gifts. I think we all have the ability to uh, hear people's true intentions. Uh, you, can, you can see people's trauma. If you can stop projecting onto someone else, and stop playing your story on them long enough to listen to what their actual thing is. Everyone could do that. But we've been trained to ignore all these like uh, clairaudience, clairvoyant stuff. Um, but we're all like tuning into that. So let's say you decided that you wanted to use your ability to hear what people's true motive was. And use that to 
convince people that they need you. You know what I mean? Uh, You could become a charismatic leader of something and use that to your advantage and it would feel like a magic power It'd feel like god-given it would feel like they need you to tell them what their true thing is but uh, in reality the person you're helping has that exact same ability and i just don't this is the thing i don't like about religion it's like yeah there's some truth in there but you're using it you're using the truth and the fact that they are drawn to the truth and you're using that to create yourself as a broker between them and god which is just them it's i don't i don't like it this is something for my mission days that I would say all the time, lots of missionaries say, it's not just me, uh, we would try to remind ourselves all the time that uh, that we are just vessels for the message, that uh, it's the Holy Ghost that does everything, and we're just, we're just here to say it. So, like, I was very careful never to say um, phrases like, I converted someone, or I want to convert someone. The that's just like an easy uh, slip up to make. Yeah, yeah, you can just make that, but that changes how you view missionary work. And I felt like I don't convert anybody. Um, the Holy Ghost converts people. I don't have the power to convert someone. You being converted is a is between you and God with the Holy Ghost as a as a medium. You know, and I'm just here, uh, literally reading words that someone gave me to read. Like there's nothing special about me whatsoever. I'm just here for you. That's it. And um, I took that attitude very seriously. And I think that I still believe that. I believe, uh, I don't believe in the Holy Ghost per se, but uh, I think that there are, there's something that speaks to people, that guides them, their intuition, ghosts, aliens, whatever it is, there's something. And uh, I think that if you hear me and Jessa say something on uh, this podcast that uh, resonates with you, that it has very little to do with me and Jessa, that it's just, uh, that's between you and whatever it is you're working on. Like you figure that out yourself. Uh, you took the initiative to listen to a podcast, you know, you're out there listening, tuning into messages. And, uh, we just happened to put a collection of words together that triggered some sort of recognition in you. And that's it. Uh, I don't want to be your therapist. I don't, I don't even really want to be your friend. I don't, uh, <laughs> I uh, just want to be uh, a comedian. That's it. Like, uh, that's all. And I think that <laughs> you, uh, are doing like really great, uh, on your own to so please don't ever put anybody up on a pedestal above you, you know, like at least never as a broker, like Jessa said, yeah. like, don't ever think that there's someone that you have to go through to get higher knowledge. Okay. Jessa gets higher knowledge from classified ads taped to uh, street poles. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't like worship the street pole or anything like that. So the biggest thing I think in integrating your higher self is learning to trust the voice of your higher self. And the biggest obstacle to that is this need to confirm with other people what is true. And I try not to take 
things in I just like I very easily take things and leave them so I can listen I can know that I don't uh resonate with Teal Swan her methods of doing things although I would be open to hearing why uh it has to be done this way but I can still listen to her videos and take what I need I can listen to anyone and listen for the things that sound true and ring true and look into them and just ditch the rest of it I don't like I don't need a person to be perfect to get what I need from them but I'm taking information from them and bringing it to myself and doing what I want to do with it and I that's how I feel about Stephen A. Smith by the way like, uh, who is that? Is the guy that dresses like he's wearing a wire? Wait, why did you share that meme if you didn't understand? Just because the pictures look like a guy who was. He's just. Uh, I ho- I think that there are six sports fans who listen to our podcast who laughed at my joke right now. Uh, he's the Alex Jones of ESPN. I would say he's just he's just a a, a, a sports talking personality who gets paid to just like shout. Uh, like really, like strongly held beliefs. Like you know, they. I, I don't know when it happened, but sports shows a, wa- a long time ago decided that they have to have two people fight oh, about cool. uh, LeBron James in order to talk about LeBron James. You know, so uh, Stephen A. Smith just like picks an opinion, digs deep into it, and screams about it, and it's just it's awful to watch. <laughs> it's so so awful. But every now and then, I find truth. I'm like, I believe what that uh, maniac said about the New York Knicks is true. Anyway, back to your anxiety. What do you want to say about that? Um, just sometimes the the social anxiety is uh, back. It's bad. I don't like. I'm too far in my head. I think. And uh, I think it's like I see you deal with it the way I deal with depression. Like I'm way better. But there's just sometimes there's just days that something got triggered or maybe nothing got triggered. It's just that day. And it's just going to be worse that day for some reason. And some days you just have bad social anxiety. It's not, it's yeah, not like Friday. it doesn't have to be gone all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. I, um, Friday night I was like in the bathroom. This is the thing is I always run, like I'm usually just trying to secretly poop. Like if I get like anxiety or whatever, like it's the only time I'm ever going to like maybe shit, uh, unassisted is before a show and it's usually a false alarm but I always try to sneak to the bathroom and there's always someone like a podcast fan in the bathroom and so then I always have this very awkward uh interaction where uh, I was just trying to go to the bathroom or I go to the bathroom there's people in there so I leave and then whatever so uh some fans were like we're here to see you and then I couldn't say words sometimes I just can't talk I like overthink what I'm gonna say to the point that like too much time passes and then whatever I say is awful so I just said I would shake your hand but it's wet and then I walk out and um but then I get on stage and I have a great set like I have a great set I have fun with the audience everything's fine and then I get off the stage and I'm fine Saturday, I felt good. I felt social. I felt ready to go. I was like more social in the the Uber and everything else. And then I get on stage and the audience was just kind of a little bit subdued. I don't know. Uh, and I try to have that same flow and I'm not really getting it and it's fine. And then I get to the joke about so like I have a bit about having social anxiety and as soon as I say I have social anxiety I start transposing words which is what I do when I'm anxious is I start saying words in the wrong order 
and uh, I I go down a quick, hard descent into social anxiety and not being able to speak with the correct inflection. Uh, And that whole bit was bizarre, like off, and I couldn't spit it out. And I felt, it feels like drunk when you don't have your wits about you. Like I just, I've like so far unplugged that I like have to climb back and try to like take the control of my mind back. And so for a second, it looked like I was going to just bomb for the rest of the thing. And I like, uh, took me like another joke and then I caught my stride again, but it was really weird. So if you were at the Saturday night first show, sorry, it was not my (laughs) best. (laughs) Uh, if you guys, if, uh, are in the Minneapolis area, uh, and you haven't gone to comedy corner underground, highly recommend it. It was a really cool space, really perfect for comedy. And I loved everyone that worked there and the other comics that we got to meet it seems like Minneapolis has some really great comedians and stuff. You guys should uh, give it a try. Thanks, everybody, that that came out, too. Uh, it was good. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, priestcraft, which is the another thing that I, like we, I was going to say when we were talking about Teal Swan, which was um, paying people or charging people for spiritual experiences uh you know i feel like i i feel weirded out like anytime somebody wants to uh charge money for a uh spiritual conference like that yeah you know uh and i get that like that's your job and you got to make money uh somehow and you know that's your calling or something but it uh it's it's too shady for me man i hated seeing it in mormonism mormons have like this whole economy based on spirituality that i don't really like it's uh pretty gross sometimes you you don't like in Utah how like they imply in their advertisements that they are Mormon. Yeah, I don't like that. But then there's also people who uh make a living like speaking and and writing uh books and stuff, which I is like normal of uh, you know, somebody who uh wrote uh, a book on politics and then sold a bunch of copies and then got paid to speak at universities. I wouldn't feel weird about that, but there's something strange to me when it's about religion and you're writing a book on, uh, your story and then getting paid to speak in stake centers and chapels to youth and stuff like the church is paying you to, uh, make sure kids, have a stronger testimony and you're essentially a propaganda machine for the church and you're uh, making money off of it and lifting yourself up and like whatever, you know, I I don't, it it grosses, it grosses me out. There was like even stuff that's even kind of like innocuous. There was a woman that was called the, the tattooed Mormon. She uh, started getting popular when I was at BYU the tattooed Mormon or she was a convert. She lived in New York, I think. And, uh, you know, had tattoos and then met missionaries and found Mormonism. And then, uh, 
I think she like I really didn't like her because she rose to popularity be, by like talking by talking about not judging her. You know, <laughs> there was like uh, I moved to Utah and I have the strong testimony and it's hard that people just judge me based on uh, my tattoos. And Jessa, you should see this cute, very conventionally beautiful, wayfish blonde young woman who had sexy tattoos on her arm and be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure everyone's judging you. Yep, absolutely. Life is very hard for you, I bet, uh, here in Utah. <laughs> I bet every, every guy thinks you're really terrible. No one is asking you out on dates. Like, Are, Is it that... Aren't you guys big on uh, body as a temple? Yeah, so Mormons do not believe in tattoos. That's right. Sh- that's true. I do think that she probably got weird questions and weird looks from people. I think that uh, people probably uh, make assumptions like they see her and they probably don't think that she's Mormon or something right. because she has uh, tattoos. But uh, I I really don't think your life was impacted in any sort of negative way. Yeah. Uh, that's... that. You know, I, you were hot. You're yeah. hot and uh, everything that like uh, Mormon dudes are looking for. And for every Mormon dude who's like, ew, I could never date a woman who had defiled her temple in such a way. There's another Mormon out there that's like, ooh, a bad girl. Yeah. Uh, I love this girl. Uh, like she's holding her book of Mormon with her tattoo oh, you know, arm, you know. <laughs> but she like she wrote a book and she got paid to like go speak she to kids. She wrote a book about. She, I don't know. I didn't read it. I don't know what it's about. I hope it's not just about like, uh, as I turn the pages of, of Moroni with my tattooed bicep, <laughs> I, I, I glanced over uh, my forearm tattoo as I partook of the sacrament. I don't know. I'm assuming that she... It's like a daily journal of what her tattoos did that day. I'm assuming that she's like writes about her conversion story and stuff. Uh, That is such a feigned. uh, That's Mabry's favorite thing to make fun of on uh, the Internet is tattooed and employed. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2019. We've got we've got tattoos and jobs. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Post Post Malone has a job. Uh, But yeah. it just it it grosses me out when I I because you can't separate even if you have good intentions, you're gonna get muddied by financial interest. You know, right. I've seen other people who make careers as uh, artists or something in Utah, and they have to play up the Mormon stuff because it sells. It sells, and uh, I just think that like. For me, my spiritual experiences were personal and private, and I didn't want to make money off of it. Also, imagine my surprise when I found out how much general authorities got uh, paid. That's uh, not right. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it at all. There's a dude like. The the guy, we mentioned it on this Patreon Sunday School when we talked about Captain Moroni. There's a dude who has a Kickstarter that I have followed <laughs> extensively. He uh, is making a movie about the Book of Mormon uh, called um, Captain Moroni, uh, Title of Liberty. And, uh okay. That's what you want to make a movie about. I think that's uh, cool. Uh, there's 
avenues I think that for that exist for you to fund movies. One of them is Kickstarter. You can get other people to fund your movie in exchange for uh, autographed posters. That uh, sure, and their name in the credits. If there are people that want to do that, okay. But this dude's campaign is so fucking self righteous, and in it, he like in his pitch to get money from people, he's quoting prophecies about the Book of Mormon, where he says like I I know that the stories from this book are destined to flood the earth. That's a that's a quote that Mormons will recognize at least on some sort of subconscious level, but that's a prophecy about how the Book of Mormon will go forth and we we bring it up in missionary work. Like we have to do more missionary work because we have to fulfill this prophecy that the the Book of Mormon will flood the whole earth. And uh, because everyone's panties going to get so fucking soaked when they read it. That's how. <laughs> uh, but he is using that line to get people to give him money to fulfill his dream. And so I feel like he is using, he's preying upon people's uh, spiritual desires and they want to help the prophecy come true. Right. And so he is then putting himself on God's team, right? Like by giving me money, you get to fulfill this prophecy that you're God made. And so you right. get to, you get to be on God's team by giving me money. That's, disgusting yeah god doesn't want your shitty fucking movie <laughs> god does not give a shit about your vanity project yeah to be because by the way he's also captain moroni <laughs> he is captain moroni he he owns 50 scarves and he uh is going Matching to be best. an action star regardless of what everyone in hollywood has told him uh <laughs> He's like, I'll just do it my own way. And like it, 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 that that kind of shit uh, raises my red flags. I go, oh, that's this is a problem. Like, don't don't give your money to this guy. Uh, that's that sucks. Yeah, you're you're manipulating uh, people's. Belief in God, their desire to see that prophecy come true. You're implying that you're very obvious. uh self-motivated project has something to do with yeah that all because i feel like kickstarter everyone hates kickstarters and stuff i feel like if people have people that want to give them money let them do it but i do hate on kickstarters i do <laughs> oh man but uh it just it, it's weird it's but without strange. it, we wouldn't be able to watch this movie when it comes out, or these this thirty movies when it. When they yeah, come out. He, every Kickstarter he adds another movie that he's making. He's like, so far he's filmed twenty minutes of it, and it, and now he's already like, we're gonna do a seven part series. We're gonna do a Mormon cinematic universe. We're gonna have all the these tie in characters and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh Jesus, man, oh, why don't you just? Yeah, and he's still getting so much money, and then he's doing like these previews and. Uh, selling them out. Oh, and then there, I remember seeing something about like, like, uh, like when people. Here's the problem with Mormon art, is that everyone just equates art about Mormonism uh, uh, with Mormonism. 
that like you have a they have a testimony of the movie that they saw the you, you know like when mm. the when the church made this Joseph Smith movie the prophet of the restoration which Danny Hunt on the last episode me and him went and saw lead a battle angel together uh really really awesome not as good as Captain Marvel as Captain Marvel is better but Alita battle angel is just like wicked awesome visuals but we went and he we were talking about prophet of the restoration in the one oh scene where he meets emma for the first time he's walking down the road with a shovel on his shoulder like having just come from work and danny's like in all actuality he met emma while digging for treasure near uh, her father's property so it's a really interesting factual prop that they put into right. that movie. Like he really was, did have a, a spade on his shoulder when he met Emma, but they just leave out the part about what he was doing with doing that shovel. With like maybe he's digging irrigation trenches <laughs> or maybe a stick pointed to a, a hollow piece of ground where he found nothing. Uh, you know, maybe you, you decide. But when that, that movie came out, Mormons ev- everywhere. I remember we all went to the temple together and we watched it and I walked out and everyone said good things about it everyone every single person was like it was amazing it was beautiful and this was my first sign as a kid I think I'm a teenager I think I'm in high school at this time this is my first sign that something is amiss here because I have never walked out of a theater (laughs) where a hundred percent of the audience just loved it no one had a single bad thing to say no one was like, oh, I think. No, no one. Wow. Like, no one was like, oh, I don't know. I thought Prophet of the Restoration had a little bit of an agenda, don't you think? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, there's no, not a single person is saying something bad. And it's objectively bad. It's. <laughs> It's not, it's, we've, like, I, we've seen real movies, you guys. This was a pretty good, this is a pretty good film student project. Like, it's not, like, uh, poorly made, but it's, you're, you're pooling from this small pool of Mormon talent and stuff. It's just, it's not the best. And you're, like, you have to make it so sugary sweet for all this stuff. And I remember thinking, like, I would have liked it better if they did this. I would have liked it better if they did that. And people looked at me, like... I remember, I remember com- criticizing acting or criticizing direction uh, in the movie, and people's response just being, "Well, you know, I felt the spirit." I was like, "That's not what I'm fucking talking about." <laughs> that good for you. Uh, I had to pee. Like, what do you? You're like, I, I really, I really thought it was a great movie. Well, you know, I, I just had to, I had to pee the whole time, so um, I disagree. <laughs> You would you would say that that doesn't equate, right? So I remember seeing this video because I follow all the I can't I can't get enough of the <laughs> of the Captain Moroni stuff, but they uh, with videos of people as reviews of the movie on their Facebook page are not reviews of the movie. They talk about how they felt the spirit. They talk about uh, how good it made them feel. They talk about how uh, they when it, like movies. There are things called feel good movies, right? I get it. That's yeah. wonderful, but that's not what this is. <laughs> that's not it. No, this they're is ta- like when, they're, when they say feel good. This, they're not talking about like the. They're, they're talking about the the Holy Ghost, the spirit. They're yeah. talking about the. Rel- 
religion aspect of it. And you're like, great, I'm glad you have a testimony of the Book of Mormon. Uh, how was the movie, though? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and so it, once again, like he is putting this up as a reason to support him and give him what more money. Is that people feel? Plan. Yeah, it's just that people feel felt the spirit there. Not that he did a good job or that the movie was good. It's just that they felt the spirit, which they already felt in church for free. But now uh, <laughs> you need. You that you need to pay this guy to fulfill his vision so that more people can feel the spirit and then create a fake outrage over like Facebook deleted this video. I, why? Why would Facebook delete this? Is it because we're uh, bearing testimony of Jesus Christ? And you're like, uh, I doubt it. I really doubt that fa- that Facebook is out there looking like they they these people in in this. Christian-owned country is <laughs> like oh, uh, let's take let's take this down. You know, that's a uh, yeah that that fake uh, persecution. They probably took it down because of your vest. To be honest, <laughs> your vest was so tight it was offensive <laughs> to Facebook standards, and they pro- that's why they took it down. They took it down because they didn't think you had a face. It was so flat they thought you were a momo talking to kids. They're like Captain Momo, and, the, and the, like that's why they took your video down, man. Uh, I or yeah. they did it, yeah. Did or it you too. you like hit delete and were like, what? <laughs> oh, uh, um, okay. Don't Mormons just want to watch the world burn? Stuff about Mormons. Like, addicts love recovery comedy because they just want to hear stuff that, like, resonates with them. Is that, mm-hmm. like, so, is there just a market for, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Media that, that you know... The in, Singles Ward in the early 2000s came out, and it was amazing. I loved it. There was a movie full of jokes just for me. All inside jokes about Mormons. That I loved. I, I was like, great. Uh, there are movies about the Book of Mormon. There are movies about Joseph Smith. The Work and the Glory came out in that same period of time in the early thousands or whatever. But this dude specifically is pitching his movie as a missionary tool for other people. Yeah. Like he's like, we're going to make this like Braveheart. Everyone's going to see it. It's going to be a huge blockbuster. It's going to do a lot for the church. Like we're talking about like, other people will find the church through this. Hopefully they'll all have tattoos and they'll <laughs> all uh, get baptized. So uh, I do think you that- think he really believes that he can't really believe that. Right. Do you think he thinks like, I think mainstream? it's very easy to believe. I think I uh, as a Mormon, I would have uh, believed it. Do you think that think mainstream that, society will watch this movie? Um, I mean, I don't think this movie is going to be made. Uh, <laughs> what did I think was this movie is this mainstream society going to watch this movie in twenty minute increments uh, over the course of the next eight years? Probably not. But like the the. The, the movie that he made, does, like the 20 minutes thing, like the trailer that he's got, like looks good. And you can, uh, I, I mean, I used to read the Book of Mormon and be like, these stories are 
awesome. If you don't believe me, listen to Sunday School. They are this really you could uh, a talented uh, writer, director, cast crew could make great movies out of stories from the Book of Mormon right. that people I think uh, would like. Uh, I I don't, I don't think, think this is our guy. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I I also don't think that you people want. Uh, a Mormon message being shoved down their throat, the way right. that like uh, Passion of the Christ was received, like Passion of the Christ, pe- Christians uh, loved it. It was something that like Christians hadn't been able to get before, and they they loved it. And it was until Deadpool, it was like the highest grossing R rated film of all time, and uh, that's so. I I don't think people react the same way to an overtly. Mormon movie, the way they re, uh, react to overtly Christian movies. Gotcha. But uh, I, if it was, I hypothetically, I can imagine a cool war movie based on the Book of Mormon that that people go see. Sure, why not? Uh, I I just think Mormons have an obsession with being accepted by society. Which is only weird because they won't admit it. They love to brag about how we're a peculiar people and we're not meant to fit into society. And yet everything the church does is just like a kid in middle school trying to figure out what is the combination of of band t-shirts and duct tape on my chucks that I need to get right in order to be accepted at this cool kid's table while constantly acting like I don't need any friends because uh, my mom told me <laughs> that they're just jealous of me. Like that's how the, the that's the Mormon uh, church that I see. Like that they they're they are constantly changing. They tried not to be Mormon anymore, and then. Uh, Book of Mormon, the musical got really cool, and they suddenly embraced that name Mormon again. And they're like, "Oh yeah, you Mormon." Oh, is, is that what happened to the name cool, change last right? time? And then they, and now they've gone back to like, we don't want to be called Mormon anymore, and they're trying to just seem much more mainstream Christian. Mormons themselves like obsessed with any celebrity who has a Mormon past, and they love to bring him up. They're like, Kath- Catherine Heigl, yeah, you know she was raised Mormon. And you're like, uh, who? gives a shit <laughs> what the 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 star of roswell <laughs> wh- what like oh yeah you know ryan gosling uh once uh, uh shook a mormon's hand you know like people people love it because they it they want the, their friends to know how normal we can be and yeah. i think i think that's the desire uh, you want to, uh, and and it's just like the same way. I shouldn't make it fun of it too much. It's the same way. I think everyone craves representation in media. Like people are uh, excited when they see someone who looks like them on a screen with a role. Like it makes them feel normalized and accepted. And I think that that's a uh, an okay desire for for Mormons to have. It's just weird that then we try to act like we're so above the world's uh yeah. acceptance like we don't need it cuz we have Jesus, you know? And like we're uh you know, we're going to inherit the world anyway, so we don't uh really need it. Aaron Eckert went to BYU. I don't know <laughs> if you knew that Two-Face went to BYU. He also, I mean, he doesn't really live uh the gospel anymore. So that's that is kind of sad. A little uh uh two-faced if you (laughs) if you will you know like they 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 love people who weren't very mormon like that they have a connection to it more than they love people who were mormon and left 
you know, like yeah. uh, Aaron Eckert, uh, like spoke out pretty publicly that he wasn't Mormon when he got famous. Like people would ask him that, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not," you know. But then you got someone like fucking like Kirby Hayborn, more like Kirby Hayborn was in that Singles Ward movie, and uh, he's done all right for himself in Hollywood as far as like Hollywood's a tough career, and that guy books commercials like i still see him in wendy's and target commercials like he had booked a holiday target commercial and as someone like myself who's you know at least somewhat familiar with hollywood i'm like oh god damn kirby like that's a good get yeah. together that's playing all christmas that's i'm sure your agent worked out a great deal good for you uh but one of his first commercials after he, he did he started in a string of mormon movies and one of his very first like big nationwide commercials was for Please uh, hold your jaw. I don't want you to, to drop uh, uh, and your dentures to fall out. Uh, but it was for Budweiser. <gasps> Maybe. Because it was some beer. Was some beer. He was selling beer. He was just like a guy at a bar who was like drinking beer. Did they and string more, him up? Yeah. They felt betrayed. They're like, how could you do this, Kirby? Like, and they really turned on him really fast. Oh, my God. Did he stop getting Mormon movies? I mean, I guess so, but I also think they just kind of stopped making Mormon mm. movies. Uh, I don't know. So I don't, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if that, if those two things those, were yeah. the causational or something like that, but you know. Can, uh, okay. Here's my thoughts on money. Okay. Uh, I don't know what they are. I <laughs> Well, there's bills and there's coins. And I then have... there's also Bitcoin. <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> I have thoughts and I have feelings. I do you have money? <laughs> uh, I okay. Bishops don't get paid. Bishops are putting in time and don't get paid, right? Yes. And we would we used to. I would brag about this. Mormons still do. Now I think it's bad. Uh, okay, you do think bishops I do, should get paid? Yeah, I think I like the idea of it. They have they, but on the top levels, it's not true. We the Mormons uh, promote this I, that they have a lay ministry. I mean, we have a, a, a we don't pay our ministers. Our ministers work for free. So, which is to imply that they don't have ulterior motives. They're, they're doing this out of the good of their heart, the way Christ intended. Like Christ uh, wasn't paying people for it. Like he thought he said, you should just go out there and preach, and that is a, a good idea. But everyone at the top level of the Mormon Church is getting paid. Right. Everyone at the top level is getting paid. And they're getting paid so much because nobody else is. Yeah. And the people at the bottom uh, aren't getting paid and are doing a lot of work. And they still have to go to a regular job. Like the people at the top, that's their full-time job. Right. This They, they do. Uh, and so that's their justification for it. You know, it's like, well, you know, those general authorities, they they d- dedicate their whole life to the church and they have families to support. So we give them stipends and cover their housing and give them stock packages and give them uh, uh, bonus houses. And, uh, you know, da- da- there's a lot of shit. Oh, and they also have security detail and they have limousines and they have all this stuff. But then you have a, uh, a guy who, you know, works as a surgeon already like he's very busy he uh has uh, a very demanding job he makes a good amount of money sure but uh then he has to go not home but after work go to the chapel and put in 60 hours of work a week at the chapel do taking care of everyone else in his ward like he has to go visit people he has to do interviews he has to ask uh teenage girls if they touch themselves it's a demanding <laughs> job uh and uh like 
he should get compensated for that instead of uh just losing all of his hair and going crazy you know yeah so i feel like i feel like people should get paid for their time i feel like time is worth money i feel like there is uh or i think i think these things i feel something about uh We live in a capital. It's something about capitalism and spirituality in the same exchange feels wrong, right? It feels wrong. But some people have like gifts in these areas and should be able to make a living. Otherwise, they have to work a full time. Like I like if I'm going to get a tarot reading or something or uh, I'll pay for I would be open to paying for that. I would be open to paying for uh like an in-depth astrology thing or natural healing or whatever because i feel like i want that person to do that full time for their job and they Mm -hmm. shouldn't they shouldn't do it for free i don't know what it is about uh the teal swan idea of i think it's just presented in a way that creates a dependence and i that could be uh, a judgment that I'm making without a lot of information. But I feel like if you are positioning yourself in a way that this person is going to be a source of money for you for a long time while you're giving them half of the keys and not all of the keys. And I don't like for me, it just feels like if your motive is uh, mass enlightenment on the planet so we can all live in a better place uh, I feel like you're slowing it down by not just having this free exchange of information and I, I don't like the imagery of someone sitting up on a thing uh, talking to on a throne talking to people who have paid hundreds of dollars to come be there you know it all feels very almost worse than religion uh yeah, so I don't. Um, I agree with you. It makes sense to me to pay someone for uh, a reading. Uh, that I, I've ever done that, but it like, feels more like that, a service to me. Yeah, and so I, there is a, a fuzzy line there because I do think, say, um, people like uh, Aqua are um, providing a service. Like I, I, just me right now, I am trying to find uh, ways. To make money off of this podcast. Right. We plug our Patreon all the time. Uh, we are plugging shows all the time. And uh, we are now, we've started running ads on the show. We're trying to find ways to make money off of this, our art, which is our skill set, uh, you know, what we want to do. And I think if your skill set is something spiritual, that's what you're interested in, that it's cool that you could find a way to make a living off of it. And, uh, that's, I don't want to be a, a dick, I, but I am nervous about certain people. Like I'll subtweet a popular ex Mormon podcaster, John DeLynn, uh, has the Mormon stories podcast, easily the most famous Mormon podcast, ex or current, like if, like the word Mormon, I feel like his his is by far the most famous, and uh, he's gotten lots of accusations of mishandling money for like this uh, foundation that he set up. Uh, I don't know. I read I read this thing one time. I forget. I feel bad just like uh, throwing 
dirty laundry that I didn't even inspect out there. But like, uh, I've seen him post stuff. I'm I'm like Facebook friends with him. I've asked to be on his show before, you know. I'm not trying to say that he's a, a, a terrible guy because I have no idea. But things raise red flags when I see uh, posts where he's like asking people to buy plane tickets for him. Uh, and asking people to uh, like uh, donate stuff for him, and uh, like uh, he's I saw him posting about like the same kind of uh, conference thing that like Teal Swan has uh, that like uh, you know come 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 pay to hear me uh, talk, uh, which like isn't that bad. Uh, like a lot of people get paid to speak. But he is kind of like a figure in like this ex-Mormon community. People uh, like look to him as a uh, uh, an authority figure. Yeah. And so then I feel weirded out where I'm like, I wouldn't give my money. Like I'm not going to uh, pay to see it. But I, I don't know. That's a could be a really unfair uh, judgment uh, on my part. But like that's the kind of thing that I don't want to get into just me personally i don't i don't want to i like having stand-up i'm like all right this is a a, a good that i am selling this yeah. like i uh i this provide an, a, of services, an yeah. entertaining funny show you want to come laugh i'll i'll make you laugh you just give me some money um i and i like my comedy to be what like i like it when people say that it had an impact on them more than just making them laugh. I like it when they say, this made me think. I like it when they say, this made me feel good. This made me feel better about my relationship with my parents. Because I get serious on stage and I'll talk about uh, my divorce. And when I was telling those jokes, uh, people were coming up and be like, wow, this really helped me with my divorce. Thank you so much. Like I'm getting uh, messages and stuff that I had never gotten before from just telling regular jokes. And I said, these are the kind of jokes I want to tell. I do want to help people. Uh so already the line there is gray for me, uh, but I, I feel like I don't ever want to just uh, charge people 15 bucks a head to hear me just speak for an hour uh, about um, my uh, exit from Mormonism, which now I feel like I'm just guaranteed that I will one day. I, I feel like someone will, <laughs> someone will offer me a paycheck and be like, yeah, just come speak at our uh, ex-Mormon conference. And I'll be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. How, you're going to pay me how much? Oh, I'm there. I'll be there. I need the money. Sure, I'll do it. And uh, so maybe all these um, doubts, the uh, like all these uneasy feelings I have about these other people are just uh, a reflection of myself. Like I don't like my, I don't like myself. And so that's why I'm projecting it onto I was just thinking John. that. I was like, since I can't list, since I can't quantify the offense here i can't quantify what rubs me the wrong way uh it's probably my own reflection or um it just guru period is definitely something that rubs me the wrong way i don't uh i don't agree with anyone that doesn't say it's inside of you here are some ways to get to find it inside of you uh, -huh. uh i suppose if uh, people were like, we want to know how to do that. Can you help us? I like can't rent out a, I would be like, yeah, I can't like rent out a, a venue with my own money and go there and lose work and everything else for free. So like, yeah, you can 
it it just feels like a career and I guess it's fine. I guess it's just not supposed to be my career. And, uh, I don't, I don't know why I don't like it. Here's what I did like about Teal Swan since I feel like I've talked a bunch of shit for no reason. Um, Teal Swan, uh, the video that I watched, we watched was about shadow work. And the thing that I don't love in the new age community, while I may agree or, or have some similar viewpoints on the relationship, uh, between consciousness and, and reality and trauma and all this, I don't like what I call fake awake, which is positivity that feels like uh, a sticker forced yeah it feels like a sticker put on top of truth it feels like uh and this was my issue with the secret and all of these other things is it's like just trying to flood your mind with positive things rather than investigating the allowing negative aspects of yourself to exist and helping them grow uh alchemy has been coming up a lot lately and just kind of this idea that we are transmuting lead into gold. Like we are, uh, we are changing our software, updating our operating systems, but we have to take the lead and turn it into gold by using this combination of uh, processing your trauma and accepting yourself and loving yourself and, and like growing and actually like working through these things to get to this transmutation process where I feel like most new age spirituality is just painting the lead with gold paint. It's fake and it drives me nuts because I feel it when I'm around a fake awake. They say all the words, but they like learned them. You know what I mean? They didn't gain them through experience and they are, uh, they still have like a real strong, this is right, this is wrong kind of thing to them. But the anxiety boiling underneath due to the inability to express their true emotions is really hard to be around. It's more staticky than someone who is not spiritual to me. And uh, I'm just scared of the people that I see uh, posting non-stop positive uh memes uh and then uh announcing that they are now a life coach yeah and uh now t- like they've just been certified and now taking clients and you're like and I'm sh- you guys i'm sure know someone there's someone in your friend circle who is a life coach and you're like bitch you don't have your life together <laughs> you are one of the saddest people i have ever met and now you're telling uh, like uh, other people and charging them again uh, to get their stuff together. Now, like I know a comedian who had told me about his life coach. Uh, he never made it sound like uh, a woo-woo awake life coach. It was more like she gave him like all these practical skills. Like she told him what his assignment one week was that he had to go a whole week without ever saying he was sorry. And because he was apologizing all the time for every little thing that he did, Deep. you know. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she was like, "All right, uh, you can't say sorry at all this week." Like she would, she taught him how to be confident, and how, like he said that he helped, her, she helped him 
ask for more money with uh, gigs and stuff like may, like uh, taught him how to be uh, a better negotiator by believing in his own value and stuff like that. And I was like, wow. And he was also really shy about it. Like he didn't, he didn't seem like he talked about this with many people, but when you're alone in a car on yeah. a long road trip, this kind of stuff comes out. And uh, so he was like a little embarrassed by it, but he's made it seem like really practical stuff and it was really good for him. And the stuff that he told me, uh, helped me and I was like wow that's pretty cool life coaches sound like a good idea and this was years ago and now I'm seeing all these life coaches come up that uh, I feel like are just about like uh, removing toxicity from your life and uh, yeah. being a more uh, positive you and stuff and they uh, my my bullshit alarm goes off I go uh, I don't know I don't yeah, know yeah I just uh, it's it's uh it's not more spiritual to not be sad and i think that that's probably a lesson i have really had hammered home i was never like not letting myself have feelings i was never putting pressure on myself to not have feelings i just didn't have a ton of emotional reactions to stuff but in this last year a lot of trauma came up and I guess there was a moment where I was like well I thought I had my shit together and I kind of had to face that but ultimately there is like you level up by processing your shit like you you get to know yourself better you become a higher uh, more advanced version of yourself by facing your shit and you can't face your shit and be 24 7 positive and so it just becomes the positivity becomes an ego. The spirituality be like you have then a spirit, what they call a spiritual ego, which is just this once again, false identity that is the spiritual identity and tricks you into thinking that it's not your ego. Mormons. Absolutely. That, that resonates. I, you, you love every Mormon you've met uh, because yeah. I introduced you to the good ones. <laughs> there are, the good ones are great people, just great people. The bad ones, and I'm sure this is the same for any religion, right. they're people that take the message to heart and work from the inside out and it radiates and it feels true and authentic. They're just good. They're good people. And they, and they also believe in this religion, you know? Maybe the religion helps them be a good person, right? Then there are... Uh, people that just do all the outwardly things that uh, are expected. They become Pharisees in their own right that uh, just care about the how and the when and the how much and how visible they are being seen. And on the inside, they're black and and, and dried up and awful and, and gross. And they don't work on themselves. They just seek to police other people all the time. They seek to... they. They do everything that they need to do, all the ordinances and rites and sacraments and all the, you know, these things in order to rise up and then put other people beneath them. They like getting the positions of leadership in the church. They like uh, the prestige and power that comes from being spiritual. You know, there's a haughtiness. That's another yeah. Bible word. There's a haughtiness to their spirituality. They uh, look down, they use their spirituality as a currency or as a weapon uh, to get what they want and put other people down. And they never, ever get the fucking point of what their whole religion is about. Right. Because they never 
change themselves. They don't become better people. And like those people are everywhere in Mormonism and they are oh, awful. I think that was me my first year in recovery. Just did everything I was supposed to do and spent all my days just gossiping and and putting other people down and talking about why, like not doing any authentic work on myself. I mean, I guess like in my step work I did, but really the step work was just to prove how fast I could get through the, you know, just uh, one of the grossest versions of myself was my first year clean. Hmm. And uh, I'll allow myself that I did eventually figure out actually i think jason was like do you talk about anything other than other people <laughs> i was like oh wow oh <laughs> dang dang oh and then it's like you know it's just you just end up becoming whatever you were talking shit about which is why now i'm like i don't know why i feel i'm probably projecting it's like i don't want to become a yeah internet guru yeah i already feel bad uh for shit that i said just because i i immediately started thinking like oh i might just be talking about myself uh, <laughs> uh, what is that? Uh, the might in your neighbor's eye and the beam in your own eye type thing. As long as we're getting biblical on everybody, uh, I'm gonna wrap this thing up. Do you want right. to nope. do anything? Uh, well, uh, we had a lot of fun in Minneapolis today. We gotta uh wrap up and uh get out of here tomorrow. We fly. I fly back to Salt Lake. Jessa, where are you flying to? I'm flying to Grand Rapids. I'm going to be in Gilda's Laugh Fest this weekend, Friday and Saturday. She's headlining. Well, I'm on the headliner showcase. She's on the he- that's headline one of the headliners of Gilda's Laugh Fest, and it's Gilda as in Gilda Radner, uh, if you didn't know. And it's a big fucking deal, and I'm proud of you. It's Thank really you. cool. Uh, then we've got a. Uh, a show at the end of March in San Jose at the Improv. It doesn't seem like tickets are uh, listed on the Improv's website yet, but we're working on that. We're getting to it, uh, but we promise that there's going to be a show. In April, we have a ton of shows, and we want you guys to come and buy tickets, please, because uh, we need to make money off of our spiritual help guru stuff, okay? Uh, but we are doing... Delaware, DC, DC especially. If you please buy tickets in advance, because if we sell enough uh, in advance, then we can open up a second show and uh, make even more money. Then we're going to Ohio. We're going to do shows in Cleveland and Columbus, and then Chicago, and maybe somewhere else. Hopefully Nashville. Another one that you could really help us out uh, if you. Right now, tickets are available. Uh, on Eventbrite for that show, but there's not a venue attached yet. We keep switching to different venues. We're having trouble. And uh, anyways, if you buy tickets in advance, it does help us sell ourselves to a venue. We can say, oh, look, we already have this many tickets sold in advance, so you know, please please let us come or something like that. But also, uh, also if uh, it ends up being canceled, which I refuse to let it be canceled, I want to go to Nashville so bad. Uh, if it got canceled, you, your ticket would be refunded, of course. But then uh, Atlanta's where we close that one up. And then we have a show in Cedar City at the end of April. Uh, Cedar City is in southern Utah. Uh, I'm not sure how many fans that we have down there. I feel like we've got a bunch in St. George, but that's like 45 minutes south or whatever. And hopefully you guys would make the drive up to, to see us. 
because uh, we play in, you know, northern Utah a lot, uh, Salt Lake all the time, but we want to get down to southern Utah, see those nice red rocks, you know, see that pretty stuff. Uh, May is Pacific Northwest. We're still putting that together right now. But if but you're in the Pacific Northwest, we're probably going to come see you. Mm-hmm. So drop us a line. Let us know that you're interested and uh, we can uh, keep you updated. And uh, I, looks, I think that's I think yeah. that's just about it. Uh, we uh, go see Captain Marvel, everybody. It's fantastic. It's and after good. that, check out our Patreon. Yeah, we are past 200 patrons, which means we are putting out three episodes a month, three uh, things of content every single month. Sometimes it'll be a continuation of an episode like we did with the Searstone Club last week with Danny Hunt, which uh, was really cool. The second part was awesome. And uh, sometimes we do things like Sunday School, and sometimes we uh, just do... uh, uh, random bonus things and most of it is interviews with guests other most of the time other comedians but like people that we find interesting we talk to them about their relationship with religion or drugs or uh conspiracy theories or uh anything you know and it's uh it's really good but uh i don't know thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next week on mormon and the meth head if you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the meth head, Mormon and the meth head, Mormon and the meth It's a good show! The future. So cool, right? All of those amazing new innovations that are going to make life even better. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a car that changes color to match your mood? Oh, wait. Even better. Your outfit. Buick is thinking about the future every single day. A future built around you. With super smart Buick EVs that can make your life even better. And it's all out there waiting. So let's go to the future together. Join us at buick.com slash future.